Okay, so I have some uh, things about uh, the Seuss episode I need to talk about. Yeah, it's a small correction and a small addendum. The beer that poisoned all the people, they did go broke, but mm. they haven't paid a cent to the people who were injured by their mistake. So that's wow. something I got wrong. Okay. They are still in court. Okay. So that was something I, you know, my bad. I very naively assumed that they had gone broke because they used the money to pay people. No, they just no. they just went broke because they, people stopped buying their beer because it yeah, kills people. Yeah, and I guess okay. you know lawyer fees. Um, the other thing was sanitary surveillance. So our agency for sanitary sanitary surveillance, which is called Anvisa. A-N-V-I-S-A. Okay, so... That oversees everything in uh, our food consumption. And one of our essential workers are veterinarians. So those are the people who go to slaughterhouses and make sure that animals are being treated properly and slaughtered properly, uh, that the meat is carefully uh, maintained the supermarkets are carefully maintaining uh, any animal products, so including cheese, eggs. So that's all done by veterinarians. So I want to give a shout out to them because nobody ever does, as I am told by my veterinarian sister. Okay. So I just want to make that clear also that it's not just restaurants. It's also the food that we buy at supermarkets. So if you are in Brazil... Always look for that Anvisa stamp when you buy food, when you buy meat products, when you buy egg products, when you buy cheese products. If you can't find it, get a clerk at your supermarket to help you to make sure. Because every single animal product, every single food product has to have their label on it. Okay, that's it. Hello, you're listening to Brazil Nuts, an insane journey through the world of Brazilian politics, with your host Larissa Peixoto, political scientist, and Gareth Davis, proofreader for Elon Musk. On this week's episode, Larissa takes us through a tour of the history of political parties in Brazil, Gareth gets a question right, and Larissa struggles to say, for the first part. And please remember to rate and review us on the iChat and the Whip app. Please don't Google Whip app. That's surely not going to end well. Okay, enjoy. Quick sidebar before we get into the meat of the meat. Uh, did you <laughs> did you hear about the asteroid at all? Uh, the one that hit here? No, the one that didn't hit here, but the one that the that missed us over the past couple of oh, days. Oh yeah, no, there was a meteor that fell here in my state, and everybody was shook. But it's fine; nobody got hurt. When did that happen? A couple of days ago. Right. Okay. And this is not. This is something you're telling me now because I forgot. Oh my god! Like. <laughs> 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 How do you forget that a giant rock fell from the sky and landed slap bang in the middle of your of your state and everything got shook to pieces and you're like No no uh, no it didn't get shook to pieces. People were shook like Oh I people see. Were, oh, I see. I see. Ooh. Yeah yeah yeah. 
okay. but that was it. Um, there was a giant, not giant, there was a big ball of fire, fire in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, but then nothing happened. It was fine. I didn't even read the entire news piece because, honestly, this is my to-do list. <laughs> I love how we've got to the point in 2020 now where even a fiery ball of death falling from the sky is, it's just met with apathy. <laughs> yeah. So there was a meteorite that fell in Minas Yes? Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, do, do you want to say the, the name of the state once again? Uh, it landed in your state, the one you live in. Uh, what's the name of it? Uh, it's um, it's the one that you live in. And it's called? Uh, Larissa's state that she lives in. Yeah, anyway, before, before we went on the detour about the fact that a flaming rock fell from the heavens and landed on your front doorstep, there was a... <laughs> and you couldn't be bothered to look at it. There was a... <laughs> A an asteroid that missed Earth and a near yes. miss a couple of nights ago. Yeah, it, it it might hit in two hundred years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is that nobody knew it was there until it kind of went past us and we felt the breeze in our cheek. <laughs> uh, that's nobody had any idea this thing was here. Now it's not a particularly big asteroid. It's only about the size of a truck, apparently. Which is enough to kill us all, probably. It's not, no, because what will happen is that like the likelihood is, unless it's made out of the same material that was used to transport Superman from Krypton, uh, <laughs> then then when it enters the atmosphere, it'll simply burn up. But yeah, anyway, so that's the that's the thing, and apparently we didn't know this thing existed at all, even though it was the size of a you know a truck, a truck or you know possibly a big fish, maybe a. You know, like a, not really a whale shark, but maybe... Whale shark, do 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 whale shark, do 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 <laughs> Yes, I do have a PhD. I regret every <laughs> single life decision that led me to this point, really. <laughs> Meteorite, asteroid, I can't remember what I was saying now. I've got, I've got baby sharks stuck in my fall... head. <laughs> it was supposed to fall on Earth, it didn't, so now what? Nothing. No, that was it. The idea, the, the problem with it is, is not that it was supposed to hit Earth. It was never going to hit Earth in the first place. It was always going to like breeze past it. The problem with it is, is that we didn't actually know about it until it was way past the point where we could have done anything about it if it hit us anyway. Who knows? This could have been not necessarily a an asteroid. It could have been, you know, aliens. I'm just saying, it's possible. It can't be worse than the humans we have now. Yeah, no, I guess not. Did you ever see that article they had in the New York Times? This was back in maybe December 2017, where it, (laughs) what happened was, it turns out uh, for years and years and years and years and years, the Pentagon has had a secret UFO program where they, all the the sightings were investigated and so on. And at one point, uh, so seriously did they take this that the director of the program writes to the rest of the US Senate, I believe, and says that the United States wouldn't be able to defend itself against the technology that they had discovered. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's possible that, you know, aliens could already be amongst us. Truth is out there. You're saying that Boris Johnson is one of the lizard people? I'm, I mean... Stay alert! (laughs) 
<laughs> Thanks for that. For a moment, I wasn't staying alert. That's the thing. <laughs> you got you. You had distracted me. I was distracted with the with this whole you know idea of aliens and meteorites and asteroids. And you know what I wasn't staying alert. I wasn't staying alert. You didn't pay attention to your government propaganda, Gareth. No, I did not. No, I did My not. My government propaganda says for me to go to work and go to right-wing protests and go to church and make out or something. I don't know. Go to church and make out? Is that a... Is that... Is that a, I mean, is that traditionally what happens in Brazilian churches? Well, people do go to church a lot to find future spouses. Do so. they? Yeah. Why? You, go to, you go to Catholic church here on Sunday and everybody's really dressed up. So Saturdays and Sundays. Like mm. it is a meeting ground for young for young Catholics. Right, okay. So And it's... for the evangelical churches, the pastors play matchmaker because they're not supposed to stay unwed for very long. As far as I know, I, I'll admit to not being an expert on all things any religion. Do you get pickup lines like, "Oh, baby, you make Jonah look like a humpback whale," or something? <laughs> oh Jesus! Do you want to record the episode? What are we talking about today? We are talking about Brazilian political parties. Excellent. Good. One of my one of my um, favorite subjects. Uh, one of which I know uh, I have extensive knowledge on. However, what I want to do is just is just make sure that you know what you're talking about. So I'll let you take the lead on this one, okay. and then I will I will just uh, I'll chip in every now and then. <laughs> We're doing this episode for a couple of reasons. First reason, it was something I've wanted to do since we had this idea for the podcast. I wasn't sure exactly how I wanted to do it. And then our friend of the pod, um, Stephanie Hall, did request it. Um, she, and she did make a request for a, a broader sort of view of the Brazilian political party. So that's Dr. Stephanie Hall. Her Twitter handle is Steph M. Hall. And she's really cool. So follow her, guys. Yeah, so, and another reason why we are not just doing this, but we are doing this now and publishing this episode now instead of, you know, in the back of the line with the ones that we already have is because it was trending uh, a couple of days ago. But now that we are recording this, when you were listening to this, people, it was a week ago that there was a hashtag trending called right wing against Bolso Pechismo. So, Bolsupechismo is joining together Bolsonaro, so the first half of Bolsonaro's name, with Pechismo, which is how we refer to anything regarding the Workers' Party. And right. yes, the Workers' Party is a left-wing party, so technically a center-left party, and Bolsonaro is a right-wing uh, individual. He doesn't belong to any party, so can't really you know, categorize him there. And people were calling him a traitor. And so I want to, this was really curious and I mentioned it to you and you were curious about it and trying to understand what the hell was going on. So in order to understand what the hell was going on, 
We are going to go back first to 1822. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll be fast with the historical aspect of it. So, first, to our dear listeners, Brazil has had seven constitutions. We are currently in our seventh constitution. I yeah. have a question. Yes. What happened to the first six constitutions? Yeah, that's the thing. They So our history, is, it is a lot of turmoil. So every time we have a break, a new constitution is made. So here we are, we're living, we're going along, we're creating our traditions and our political roots, and boom, no, you're not. It's over, we're going to salt the earth and start with something else. Of course, that start with something else is kind of true and kind of not, because nothing is really a new slate. There's no such thing. But essentially, it's what we try to do every time. It's the Brazilian way. So in 1822, that was when Brazil became independent. But it became independent and re remained an empire. So that was with Dom Pedro I. And he got this whole bunch of guys and he's like, okay, make us a constitution. I'm going to be an enlightened emperor. And they were like, okay, we're going to do this. And they tried to do it. But then he looked at it and he said, no, I don't like it. And so he imposed a constitution on the country, which had the three branches of government that we all know and love. <laughs> okay. But it also had a fourth branch, which was him. So he had like veto power and pretty much everything. Right, okay, okay, okay. So his constitution was essentially, um, you guys, it'll be all fair and dandy and lovely and brilliant unless there's something that I don't like. Yeah. In which case, uh, I'm going to change all of that and just do whatever the hell I want. Yeah? Yeah. Right, exactly. okay, good. Okay, good, excellent. So he did that and... Part of that idea that he had this, what we, what we call, what he called a moderator power was that he could close down Congress whenever he wanted to. So that was one of the things that he had, one right. of his powers. Yeah. So, so one of his powers was to, was to shut down the government. Yeah. Right. Okay. Isn't, isn't that, doesn't that, well. Go ahead. I mean, I, I think I can see a problem with this. Yes, it's called authoritarianism. That's exactly what I was going to go with. <laughs> but we had these, what then could have been what we now describe as political parties. But the thing is, not a lot of people were allowed to vote. And the same people who were allowed to vote were the same people who were allowed to essentially be in these political parties. And they were known as the liberals and the conservatives. And they had nicknames, and I don't want to mess them up. Um, right, so the conservatives had the nickname of Luzias, and the liberals had the nickname of Saquaremas. And these are references to locations, so they're not translatable. Right, okay. But so they, the, don't, they don't mean like, you know, the lefties and the righties or... The no, no. The wigs and the tails or the, you know... the No, because the, the saying about them is nothing like a Luzia in power, like a Saquarema in power. Because they are pretty much identical. Their, their main difference was that one favored 
slightly more independence to the states than the other. And that's it. They were all white men who were very rich. They were all educated in Portugal or France, mostly Portugal. Um, and they were all considered um, these high and mighty men who were bred for this. So they all had the same education. They were, they, all, they were all rich. They were literate, which most of the Brazilian population wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1872, only 16% of the Brazilian population could read and write. So these guys were groomed for greatness? These guys were entitled to it. And that is something that we see to this day. So one thing that happens here is that lawyers are referred to as doctor. Hmm. Okay. So even, even though, with just, even they only even having only a bachelor's degree, they'd be called to, doctor. They are called doctor. Really? But any any man who looks um, slightly richer, slightly better off, hmm. definitely white men will be called doctor. So uh, many times I've been in restaurants with my father, who is a very tall and very imposing man, and he's very white. And he and the waiter will go, so doctor, were you happy with your meal? So hmm. that is very common. My father has a bachelor's degree in journalism. So hmm. there is no reason for him to be to- called doctor. And right now, technically at a table, I would be the doctor. So that is kind of how political associations began in Brazil. And that's why I wanted to go all the way back. I mean, it's strange that you talk about people who are entitled to, uh, who feel entitled to be able to um, to be born into this position of power, uh, considering that would never happen in the UK uh, in any way, shape or form. You certainly wouldn't have, like, say, a clique from, um, <laughs> I just, let's, just, let's just say Eaton running the entire country into the ground. It, it wouldn't happen, you know. But that's, that's very interesting. Thank you. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so um, one thing that carries on to today is that these people look for jobs within the bureaucracy. So people graduate college here, graduate university with a bachelor's degree in any area. And what they do is they start studying for public competitions. So the public competitions is how we get, how we apply for jobs in the public bureaucracy. It's how you get a job in a mayor's office, in city council, um, you know, not an elected or appointed position. And those those jobs have tenure. So you don't, after a while, you can get fired. So they have really good job security. And so you become, that's how you become a civil servant in Brazil. So that tradition comes from this period and has been growing ever since. In these people, and people like this are called concurseiros because they spend years and years studying for these public contests, these public examinations, which are called concursos. Concursos. Yeah, that's why they're concurseiros. So it doesn't really matter which degree they got. They just really want to get a bachelor's degree so they can apply for the concursos so that they can then apply to better ones and just rise up the ranks like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. So 
So that's how. So, so that would be a con con senior, and <laughs> they are, and that's that's their career path. The career path of a con con senior, then. Yeah. Anyway, just a little um, understanding of the Brazilian civil servant. Also, to become a professor here at the federal universities, for instance, you have to be a civil servant. So you have to pass one of these public examinations, but they're a bit different because the professor process is different. Mm-hmm. But that's just, uh, you know, just a little sidebar. Okay, we anyway. should talk about that on another episode, possibly. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say it so you wouldn't mock me, but yes, I am planning an episode on the federal university system. That's, that is shocking, really. Oh, shut up. <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of how our political associations and political parties got started. Very elite men who felt like the business of government was theirs to do. Um, so, okay, we get the Republic in 1889 via A. What happens? How do you get a Republic? What happened? Uh- Oh, I I know this one. Uh, this is gonna be it's it's because of a military coup. Good boy. Yes. Ah, Scorpio. Yes. <laughs> and once something happens here that changes the system of government, we write a new constitution. So the constitution was written eighteen ninety one. So this is something we talk about in a episode we're going to publish later. Um. We talk about the coffee and milk republic. You remember that? Yeah, I, yes, yes, I do. Because that means that the coffee uh, and the milk republic. It's because ah, uh, it's because <laughs> um, the coffee comes from somewhere and the milk comes from <laughs> somewhere else, and they're the two most important states politically where this thing happens. Now, the coffee comes from. <laughs> For now, you're getting a C minus with that answer. Oh come on! Right, <laughs> hang on. I haven't finished yet. Um, so the okay, coffee... our listeners don't have time to wait. It's okay. We'll truncate the sentences. When we, when we <laughs> so the coffee comes from oh Sao Paulo. Good. Yes. <laughs> and the milk. I don't care. I've never been happier. Uh, the milk <laughs> comes from. Oh, does the milk You're come a from... father. Oh, the I... day of your daughter's birth is the happiest day of your life. Ah, honestly, that was a nightmare. If I'm if I'm being truthful about it, it was. <laughs> I was very tiring. Uh, I was exhausted at the end of it. Uh, so um, the the milk comes from. <sighs> oh, does the milk come from? <sighs> I'm torn. I'm torn between two. I'm going to say the milk comes from uh, Minajurai? Good boy! Yes! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Okay. Mm. So I feel so powerful. Okay, now you're getting a B plus. Surely surely that's an A plus right there. No, because you only got the states right. You didn't get what they did right. You only said that they were the most important politically. You didn't say what they did. Well, one supplies coffee and one supplies milk. I mean, what what do you want from me at this point? They alternated in the presidency. Oh, okay. 
Fine. That would have been. I know. I was getting to that though. That's no, okay. you weren't. Yeah, yes, I was definitely. No, you weren't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so at that time there were state parties. So that was a time in Rye that rose a lot of what we now describe as colonialism, which is did I did I pronounce that correctly? Come on, come on, you know what I. Can't pronounce I, that word properly. What's the word? What, what are you trying to say? Colonel. As in military? Yeah, so they just call themselves that. Brazil is a country where people like to make up their own titles. Okay, right, okay. So yeah, these are so... just land... Yeah, so these are just landowners. And you can still sometimes, if you're really deep in the country, find people of lower social status Calling men of higher social status big landowners colonel. Yeah, as in, then in that case, people, that's the same as lawyers being called doctors and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. Yeah, it'll be colonel then in that case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I got it. No, I you said nailed it. that. No, yeah, absolutely. That was a three point from, ooh, downtown. That was swish. That went through. Yes, and I, I have a degree in English, but okay. Okay, good. Anyway, uh, so that was the period where we refer to these colonels who own large masses of land and kind of own the people there. So slavery was abolished, but people depended on this guy for everything. And they were the ones who decided the politics of the state and how the state was going to position itself in national politics. So there were parties that, they were state parties. So the name of the party was, for instance, um, the Republican Party of Minas Gerais. So something like that. Mm -hmm. But then you have dissident or independent parties, because that was the politics of governors. And so you have the Communist Party of Brazil. You have the Democratic Party in Sao Paulo. You have the peasant operate up. Okay, people, I have a list of all the parties. I'm translating this as I go. Peasant, worker, block, something like that. Um, the, the peasant, hang on, wait, wait, wait. The peasant worker block. Yes, I think it was a bit of, they're trying to join. I've never heard of this one before. It was really small. Okay. Um, there was the liberate, the liberating party. <laughs> and the Liberal Alliance. Now, the Liberal Alliance was the famous, the big famous one. So you have the Communist Party of Brazil and the Liberal Alliance are the big ones to really mark down this period. The mm. Liberal Alliance was the party created by Getúlio Vargas, and that's the movement that eventually created the revolution of 1930 and destroyed the coffee and milk republic. Ah, yeah, 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 yes. So... That's right. That's correct, by the way. Um, <laughs> we have 1930, we have a revolution. What happens after a revolution in Brazil, Garrett? Come on, we get a new... Oh, uh, you get a new constitution. Good boy. Yes. Yes. I am, I am throwing rocks tonight. Honest to God, I'm just... <laughs> I'm, just I'm hitting home runs left, right and centre here. It's brilliant. <laughs> So we ask, me, ask, me, ask me something else. Ask me something else. Quick, quick, quick. While I'm on, while I'm on, while I'm on fire, <laughs> ask me something else. Anything at all. Ask me something. Anything. Okay, so when did the new state begin? When did the Getulio Vargas coup 
threw a coup on himself. What year was that? We've talked about this before. 19. It's a famous year globally. Oh, God, is it? 1930. That was the revolution. No, then no, no, he no, threw no, a... no. Yeah. yeah no, I'm, get, I'm getting to it. Don't worry. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be 1930. 1939. 8. 7. C minus. <laughs> what? You needed two guesses. Yeah, but, you know, I mean... Okay, fine. 1937. All right, okay, fine. So these parties all continue. I mean, to be fair, though, I didn't expect you to ask me a question that was difficult. I expected you to ask me something like, what colour underwear are you wearing right now? And I'd go... I d- d- no, I don't want to know that. I'm not going to ask you that. Okay, fine. Yeah, but I can answer that one, I think. <laughs> so, parties were... Free to Rome until 1937, when Getulio Vargas cooed himself, and he said, "Well, I'm not leaving power. I'm staying put." And he banned all parties, and he did that by what? Imposing a new constitution. Whoa! <laughs> and all parties were banned until 1945. Right? How does that work, though? All parties are banned. Yeah, it's a dictatorship. Yeah, I know that, but uh, okay. All right, fine. They can only exist illegally, and the Communist Party did work, act illegally Mm. for a good, for most of that time. Then we have 1946. Yay, democracy. A new constitution, yet again. We don't go back. Like, we don't just, oh, let's take the 1931 and, you know, go back to that moment. No, let's make a brand new one. Why is that? Is it because that all these constitutions have had something wrong with them previously, or is it just is it a bit of new management, same as the old management, where they just come in and go, I, you know what, we're going to write a constitution that really reflects us, yeah, and ultimately it's the exact same thing you were doing, you know, ten years ago, eleven years ago, twelve, years, whatever that was. It's kind of uh, that. Mm. It's mostly let's pretend that the past didn't happen and that we're super modern Hmm. we are super modern we're super forward thinking the bad stuff that happened happened and we don't need to think about that anymore okay so So everything just gets swept under the rug with that yeah it's like a clean break thing but this is my analysis i am not a historian Mm -hmm. this is my analysis as somebody who's not an expert in the period either Okay. So. Okay, so we get, I think, so about 32 parties in total between 46 and 64. So we went from none, zero, to all of the parties in the space of not much time at all. And two of them were founded by Getulio Vargas himself. (laughs) Okay, all right. That man could not stop himself. And you know so what I'd like there... to do today? Imagine that Tulevagas <laughs> just like just wake up in the morning and go. You know what I'd like to do today? I'd like to run Brazil again. That's what I'd like to do. <laughs> well, well he did. Sure? Yeah, he was yeah. elected later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so there w- that was a period of intense political um, movement and. Parties seem to actually be ruining themselves in society. So it was a really interesting time that was destroyed by another military coup in 1964. 
Okay. Not a, yeah, a military coup. There was one in 18, 1889 and now one in 64. Getulio Vargas' coup was technically civil. Civil in the sense that it wasn't military people. Okay. A lot of people died. So. But shook hands afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we get to the military period. And this is one thing that I have a lot of trouble with when it, in political science. Because when you look at categorizations, so what bothers me sometimes in categorizations made by other political scientists about what is democracy and what isn't, is that they look at stuff like, are there elections? And during 64 and 79 in Brazil, technically, there were, because the military regime allowed the existence of two parties, one that was an opposition party, and one that was a supporting party. Now, they persecuted constantly the people in the opposition party. It was incredibly risky to be part of that party. They never allowed it to grow, partly because of the persecution, but also through corruption of elections. Not all positions were electable, so a lot of things were just appointed offices that should have been elected offices. So it wasn't a free time. But sometimes you look at studies on the period at, or comparative studies that put Brazil as a democracy in order to analyze something. Uh, and you look and you say, no, you can't count Brazil in during this time. You just can't. Because even even because there were elections, it wasn't necessarily... It wasn't like, free. It was no, exactly, not free, yeah. fair elections. Yeah. Um, and there are other political scientists who argue that there is a real issue about categorizing democracies before there were free and fair suffrage to all. So there are plenty of studies out there that say, oh, because there was already suffrage and there was already this and that and whatever, but it was before women could vote. Mm. And you're categorizing a country as democratic before half of the population could vote. Yeah. Um, so this, this is actually an issue that I care about a lot within my own discipline. And it's really irritating to me to see people care so little about what it actually means to be a democracy. And especially right now, when we see so many uh, actions against people's access to voting, rather than making it easier for people to vote, there are places that make it harder. Um, that really grinds my gears. Okay, back to the story. I love it when you rant. I know. It's one of my favorite things. It is just, just I, if I could, honestly, if I could, I would, I would just give you a soapbox <laughs> that you could stand on all day long. A soapbox and a megaphone that you could stand on all day long and just shout to the masses all day. People would think I'm crazy, though. They wouldn't listen to me. I mean, I would. I'd, I'd bring treats, popcorn, <laughs> bag of Maltesers. Oh, I like Maltesers. Who doesn't like what? You know who doesn't like Maltesers? Uh-huh. Uh, just uh, bad, bad people. people. <laughs> bad people don't like Maltesers. So, B. 
between 64 and 79, mm-hmm. the uh, military dictatorship allowed these two parties. They were called ARENA and MDB. So in English form, you could say ARENA okay. and MDB. MTB. So, yes, uh, it's the Brazilian Democratic Movement. Okay. No, I don't oh, I remember see. what ARENA stands for, and I don't have it written down. Let me see. Oh, no, I okay. do have it written down. It's the National Renovating Alliance. Right, okay. So, you remember in our SUS episode, no, in our coronavirus episode, I yes. talked about the mayor of Manaus. Yes, yes. So, his father was a member of the MDB, and okay. he had his term terminated. Oh, no, yes, so he, you said. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, he was a member of the MDB. Okay. And so he was a federal deputy and he wasn't allowed to be anymore, one, because of the military dictatorship. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that played a part in the the uh, mayor of Manaus, uh, his kind of reaction to, to the Bolsonaro. response of yeah. to Bolsonaro's response and so on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. See, it all ties in, everything works in circles. It all ties in. The- yeah, pretty much, especially yeah. here. So for 10 months in 69... That was the harshest period of the military dictatorship. So that time, Congress was actually shut down and parties were not allowed to work. They were not allowed to, to perform their duties. Um, that was one of the hardest periods of the dictatorship. In 79, though, they realized that their, their actions, the, the, the sort of hard-line dictatorship was not going to work anymore. So they... Instead of doubling down, like a lot of dictatorships do, they decided, no, we are going to start cutting back. And this is what led to the gradual and safe transition. The gradual and safe transition is, in my view, one of the worst things that has ever happened to Brazil. Okay. Because the military, they sort of loosened the grip. And they went, no, we're going to see, we said, once the communist threat was over, we were going to give the country back to democracy. We saved it for democracy. That's their discourse and their their rhetoric and their lie. Mm -hmm. So they went from 79 until 85, they started loosening their grip. And by then, what happened was full amnesty to not only everyone they were persecuting, everyone that was imprisoned by them, but also the military, torturers. Um, so those people were never tried for their crimes. And that's there are still military who commemorate the date of the coup on March 31st as if they've saved the country. Even the vice president put a tweet out on March 31st as the day Brazil was saved from communism. Wow. Yeah. That's deeply horrific. Yeah. The thing is, the people they killed, the people who are still missing, the people who we still haven't found who are buried somewhere in ditches, those people did not get amnesty. And their families did not get amnesty. No. So, yeah. So that that is why to me it is one of the worst things that happened. So they've never they've never been charged nev- with any no. war crime or anything like that. I, even though I know it's not a war. 
technically speak, but it, it, it would I be mean, crimes against humanity, I think. But yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. They've never been tried against anything. None of them have ever gone to jail, and that's how Bolsonaro can say the things he says. There are so many military and government right now, which is really scary. It's terrifying, and you know anything here in Brazil, and that's what we're getting to. Anything here in Brazil that you say against the military or any right now anyone who's right wing, you're called a communist. So it's all about taking away the communist and corruption, the corrupt tr threat. It's all about saving the purity of Brazil, mm. of the traditional laboring family. There was never really a communist threat to Brazil because, first of all, what? Uh, no. And corruption, the corruption in Brazil is systemic and endemic and structural. Corruption is not something that you take away just by punishing corrupt people. You take it away by taking away opportunities for corruption to occur. So what happens here is we create all of these great little constitutions and they look really nice and they say all the right things, especially the current one. But nothing is actually done. So we love giving things names and making it pretty. But behind that, there's really nothing happening. And that's where you have a breeding ground for corruption. So when you open up a space, let's say there's a lot of people who are against politicians getting salaries, for instance. And I'm not one of those people. Because if you don't pay somebody to do their job, but their job gives them access to power, somebody will pay them to do their job. And eventually their job will be skewed and they will do, they will do the job that person is paying them to do. Mm -hmm. So that's where com corruption comes in. When we talk about our elections and campaign reform, uh, there is the way that we do campaigns and there's the way that we wrote how campaigns should be done. And they don't match. So when they don't match, people find ways to continue doing what they do and, you know, go around the law and the way that we wrote. Because what we wrote is really pretty and it looks nice for the UN and other international organizations, but it's not what we do. And instead of adapting to what we do and find ways of accommodating our practices, we just create this, you know, straitjacket that doesn't work. But anyway, I digress. I mean, I can get you a soapbox and a megaphone to look at your door. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so there were parties that were acting illegally during the dictatorship. There were guerrilla movements that were technically, I mean, they were part of parties as well. So even President Dilma was one of the, was part of one of them. Really? You didn't know that she was a guerrilla fighter. No, I didn't know that at all. She seems like such a nice lady. She is a very nice lady. She was a yeah. guerrilla fighter. I saw uh, her do an accidental live the other day. Yes, the, that was adorable. On the yes. Twitter thing, and it's it it was just it was as if somebody had accidentally turned the camera on me. I related to that completely. <laughs> well, she. She was a guerrilla fighter. She was 18, 19. Wow. And 
then she was imprisoned for three years and was tortured horrifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that bit because we've, we've talked about that before. But the uh, but I yeah. no, I had no idea she was a. She, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah. There is an amazing video of her uh, before she became president. I think she was still minister uh, in Lula's government, mm-hmm. and she is being questioned by a senator from a right wing party. And we're going to talk about this party because it is a direct heir of the Arena Party, and he calls her a liar because she lied to her torturers. Hmm. He says, how can we ever trust you? You lied uh, when you were... To people who were torturing you. You lied when you were in prison, when you were being questioned. And her answer is incredible because she just, she has this completely impervious expression, and she goes and she says, yes. I lied. I'm very proud of lying. Uh, I can't believe I was able to lie because I had to lie. Lying under torture is the most heroic thing a person can do because if I didn't lie, my friends were going to die. I had to lie for my friends. So I watched that video. Every time I watch that video, I cry because it's so much strength in one person. And she was in her. She was 20 when she did that. Unbelievable. She, she still has issues with her jaw because of a punch she took Good that God. displaced her jaw and broke some of her teeth. Like dislocated the lower jaw. Yeah, and okay. they couldn't, and they didn't give her treatment, uh, adequate hmm. treatment at the time. So she still has to sort of take care of that till this hmm. day. Good grief. Wow. Um, yeah, and then she had to suffer a coup herself. So, yeah, thanks, Brazil. So all the communist parties were, so there were a bunch of communist parties uh, acting illegally during that time. But then in 79, um, the military allowed the two parties to sort of dismember and become a bit, become other parties. So, okay, we are going to allow a multi-party, multi-party system now. So we're going to be nice. Yay. So we go to a system. I'm yeah. guessing from your from your obviously enthusiastic yay uh, <laughs> that that went well. Well, that has become the system we have today. Okay. So we are arriving in the today time. Okay. Finally. No, um, that was, we did actually breeze through what essentially was yeah. 200 years of 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 the most insane you. history. But no, that well, that we we absolutely flew through that. That's brilliant. In part two, we'll talk about parties as they currently stand. Mm. I have recently found out that my grandfather was in a right-wing party during the 40s and 50s. Yes, I was very disappointed. I knew my father's dad was a right-winger, but I didn't know my mom's dad was a right-winger. And that was very disappointing for me and for her. Wow. So, Larissa, you actually come from a long line of right-wingers then. Ah, don't, don't put it that way. I mean, that's what you just said. I know. You know. Well, I'm breaking the chain. But anyway, guys, this episode was very long, so we decided to make it a two-parter. So for the first part, for, for the first part, you all got the history, and for the second part, you all get the contemporary action. 
So join us in a few days to listen to the rest of it. Okay, cool. Bye then. That's it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, thank you for listening and we'll hear from you next time. Okay. All right. Take care. Have fun. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Brazil Nuts is an effort by Larissa Peixoto and Garrett Davis. We'd like to thank Walter Zelinski for the graphic design and all the essential workers out there making sure we're safe. We'd like to give a special shout out to veterinarians for doing all the work to keep our food and our pets safe. Okay, good. What was that whoop? Just then? It's a police car. Oh, okay. All right then. Acceptable. I lead a very exciting life. I know. It's amazing that currently, as you're recording this, you're also dangling from the ceiling of a bank vault. <laughs>